in. So in exploring our personality, we're going to go a little bit deeper this evening and meet some new aspects to our personality that are a little bit more subtle and just as important as what we've learned until now. We know that there are certain people that mean well, want to do a lot of good, have great intentions, but when it comes to action, something gets in the way. These people are all of us. We're all that way in, in so many ways. We have good ideas, great intentions, and things that we'd like to do. And somehow, something gets in the way. Sometimes it's an external force that gets in the way. Sometimes something internal. Sometimes the world seems to just stop us from doing what we yearn to do. And sometimes something inside of us stops us what we need to do. And those good intentions just disappear. And it confuses us sometimes. Why is this happening to me? On the other hand, sometimes we're in a different mode where we get things done, where you had an idea, you were inspired, and you did it. You followed through. You made it happen. And it seems that some people have that more common than others. It seems that some people are follow-throughers, that they say they're going to do it, and they do it seemingly with ease you know there are there are people who are dreamers and there are people who are doers and we'd all like to be both we'd like to be able to dream big and do big but sometimes the two don't seem to be aligned what we're going to explore this evening is exactly why what is the power within us to follow through and make things happen and what is holding us back sometimes and to do that, we're going to meet the next two of the seven keys of our personality, Netzach and Hod. We previously met Chesed, Gvura, and Tiferes. The, those three are the faculties that we have explored so far. Chesed, our loving kindness, our generosity and yearning to give and to share. Gvura, our power to hold back, to discipline, to listen. And Tiferet, the harmony of the two, where it's our power to be in tune with the other, with the outside world, and to act appropriately to give chesed or guvura as is appropriate, to be lenient or to be strict, to be loving and generous, or to hold back and give space. Tiferet gives us the, that, that, that sense of what we're supposed to do. We met those previously. We're now going to meet Netzach and Hod. Now, Netzach and Hod, Netzach, generally speaking, is the attribute of assertiveness and determination, following through, as we were just speaking. Hod is the opposite. It's the power of submissiveness and humility. Netzach is me making it happen, forcing it through, following through. Hod is me submitting, giving space for something else to happen outside of me being humble and not pushing myself into the situation two very opposing forces and we're going to explore how they fit in to the matrix of these various faculties and how they translate into our personality on a, on a day-to-day -day basis so to do that we're going to look at a bit of a map here of these various faculties. Now, let me explain what we're looking at. In the, in the top section there, we have Chesed, Gvura, and Tiferet, and then beneath them, Netzach and Hod. On the left is a text from the Zohar, the great fundamental work of Kabbalah that says, Chesed is the right arm, Gvura is the left arm, Tiferet is the body, Netzach and Hod are the two thighs. This mystical work is not describing parts of the physical body, but it's describing a, a spiritual structure to our personality as we are in the image of the divine. 
and these attributes are divine. So use, utilizing the, the shape of the, of the human body, this is an illustration of these various faculties. Chesed is the right arm, the arm that gives. The right arm being the stronger arm for most people. The giving arm. Gvura is the left arm, weaker, because we want more chesed than gvura, more kindness than strictness. It's the, it's the, the arm that takes, holds back, or receives. And Tiferet is the body that contains both, balances both the chesed and the gvura. Netzach is described as the two thighs. What, what, are, the, what are the thighs do? If, if the right arm is giving, the left arm is holding back or receiving, and the body is, is containing the two and balancing the two, that's the torso. So that's chesed, gvura, and tiferet. Our power to give, our power to receive, and the sense of what to do when. Those three powers of chesed, gvura, and tiferet. Netzach and hod are described as the thighs here in this metaphor, because the thighs hold up the body, maintain the body, take the body where it needs to go. My, my arm wants to give. But if I'm here and you're over there, I can't give until I come over there. My hand wants to receive. But again, if there's a distance between us, so then we need to bridge that distance so I can receive from you. The, the legs, the thighs hold up the structure and transport it to where it needs to go. In a similar way, just like in the physical body, that's true, so too in our personality. Our chesed, gvura tiferet, are really our passionate emotions. Love and fear and uh, empathy. Th these, these are quite heart emotions. It's feeling. It's very much feeling. But feeling can only go so far. I might feel a lot of love, but if I don't do anything about it, the love remains internal. I need to translate it into action. I need to move it outwards. So too, with my empathy or my fear, if I have a, have a fear, I have to act on it. If something is intimidating me, I have to move. Emotions are my feelings. To act on it means to go outward, further, express, move it down from the heart into a movement of the body. And so Netzach and Hod are the keys to that. They're the attributes that get us to move, to, to express and, and uh bring out what's in our heart. And so in the diagram, the netzach and by the, the legs, they, they're what we would call functional emotions as opposed to passionate emotions. Passionate emotions are things that you feel. Functional emotions are the drive within you to action to do something, to express. And it's a completely different experience. We all have the experience of sometimes being inspired to do something. And then the inspiration goes. You're, you're in the mood and then you're not in the mood. If we would only base our actions based on inspiration, if you would only do what you're inspired to do any day, so then your life would be extremely erratic because inspiration comes and goes. Sometimes we're in the mood, sometimes we're not. Sometimes we feel it, sometimes we don't. Imagine a, a relationship that was purely based on feeling and not relying on any commitment, just feeling. In other words, I'm in a relationship as long as I feel loving, I will act loving. 
as long as, as, I, as I feel a warm, fuzzy feeling towards you, I will be good to you, I'll be kind to you, I'll be attentive to you. But if the feeling is not there, so then I do not deliver. I'm, I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like it. So I stop. I'm true to my feelings. Isn't that good to be true to my feelings? Aren't you supposed to be true to your feelings? So when I feel loving, I'll, I'll be loving. When I don't, I won't. We all know that such a relationship is heading for disaster. There is no way that a relationship can be based purely on feeling because feelings are fickle. We sometimes feel it, we sometimes don't. We're sometimes in the mood and we're sometimes not in the mood. And if we go by our moods, we will be all over the place. What, what is a moody person? A moody person means that one minute they're this, one minute they're that. But we're all moody. Everyone has moods. The question is, do you act purely based on mood? You're in this mood now, then you're in that mood in a second later. If so, we don't know what to expect. We don't know what we're getting next. And nobody can cope with that because moods are pretty extreme. Moods are emotions, passionate emotions, chesed, gvotiferet, emotions. And being passionate emotions, they're extreme. They're unreasonable. They, they, they are completely what they are. When you're in a, an emotional mood, um, then you're in it completely and there's no perspective. And so if you're operating on that plane, on the emotional plane, you go from one extreme to another. There's no predictability. There's no system. There's, there's no uh, building, developing. It's flipping and flopping. And extremely hard to, to manage or, or to live with. Netzach and Hod are the functional emotions, not passionate emotions, but functional emotions. They are that sometimes I've got to stick to something even if I'm not in the mood of it. Sometimes I have to do things that I don't feel right now. I felt it once, but I don't feel it now. So in, back in that relationship, I don't feel loving right now. I'm not in, in the loving mood. It is completely normal in any relationship, including the best relationship, to sometimes go through a patch of feeling flat, where the emotions are not so strong. It could happen for various reasons. It could be just a mood thing. Moods swing hormonal things happen. You just go in, into, a, into a certain state. It could be something very external that has shifted your mood and your loving has become dormant. It's, it's gone underground. You don't feel it at the moment. It may have nothing to do with the relationship. It may have everything to do with just the mood you're in, the way you woke up that morning or other things that are going on in your life that are clouding your emotions. Or it could be something in the relationship as well that is making it hard to feel the love at that, at that moment. This doesn't mean that there's no love. It means you're not feeling it. It's not on display in your heart. You're not connecting to it, but it's, it, it's still there. In a real relationship, the love is still there. It's just not being felt. So do you determine your reality based on the fickle emotion that you're having right now? Is, is, that, is that how you're going to express yourself? If at that moment, when you're going through a blank, bland time, if at that moment, your loved one asks you, do you still love me? Do you tell them, no, I don't, because I don't feel it? Of course not. The, the love is there. It's just, it's just not revealed. So, so I'm going to determine my reality based on my mood. There is a power to say, I'm going to stick to the relationship because I, I know it's right. I know it's good. I'm just not feeling it right now. But I still have to be good. I still have to act loving and, and give love even when I'm not feeling it because I know it's the right thing. The ability to do that comes from our Netzach and Hod attributes. Our, our ability 
to maintain our love when we don't feel our love. Our ability to behave in a certain way, even when we're not inspired to behave that way. And each one of us have Netzach and Hod. Some of us have it strongly. Some of us, our personality is centered there in Netzach and Hod. Others are much more chesed, or tiferet, centered in the emotions, the passionate emotions. Each one of us have a certain amount of Netzach, a certain amount of Hod. We may tend to one way or the other, and we'll go into the details of the difference between them soon. And we can each work on our following through, even when we're not inspired. Let's explore these two a little bit deeper and understand the Netzach and the Hod personalities. So we're going to look at it in this prism of looking at a Netzach type of person and a Hod type of person. Again, we all have all both. But let's say somebody who's got a lot of Netzach or somebody who's got a lot of Hod. They're actually quite different. Even though they're both the two thighs that hold up the body, but they're different. So a Netzach person, their disposition is they're the type to get the job done. Just get it done. Finish it. Make it happen. They're also going to be a, a more competitive type of person. Netzach literally means victory. And a Netzach person has a sense of, I, I've got to get there first. I've got to beat the competition. I've got, I've got to, I've got to get, get out there and I've got to win. The Netzach person loves solving problems. That's what they're all about. There's an obstacle. I'm going to get around it. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to figure it out. They, they want to break through whatever gets in the way. That's, that's exactly what they thrive on. They, they want to win. And any obstacle getting in the way of winning makes them even stronger. That, that if, if, if the, the job is difficult, that excites them. Yes, I have a challenge to overcome. Fantastic. They, they embrace it. That is, that is a Netzach type of person. Now, in relationships, a Netzach person will take the lead in a relationship. Could be a little bit domineering, perhaps, in a relationship because they, they like to lead. They like to, to, to get it done. That competitiveness in a relationship will, will make them somewhat want to control the situation. But they'll look after you. A Netzach person will look after you. They'll follow through. Their, their love will be expressed in action. And they'll follow through. They're good, they're good carers. They'll care for you. Caring, not in the feeling sense, caring in the doing sense, looking after you. That's a, that's a Netzach person in, in their relationships. The, person, the purpose of Netzach, the reason why God gave us the power of Netzach is to follow through and to do good, even when we're not in the mood. Without Netzach, we would only be kind when we're in the mood of being kind. We would only be generous when we feel like it and it makes us feel good. We would, we would only be a, a, attentive and generous and kind and loving when we feel it. With Netzach, we do it anyway. I don't, I'm not in the mood, and that doesn't matter. I do it anyway. I'm not inspired. That's not the question. The question is, is it the right thing to do? Then I do it. That's the purpose of the Netzach attribute the ability to to overcome obstacles the corruption of that attribute is therefore a bulldozer type of person somebody their, their netzach is so strong that they just walk over everybody they bulldoze the situation that could be a bit over controlling and express themselves in spite of everything it's one thing overcoming obstacles, but sometimes the person that you're trying to help becomes the obstacle and you walk all over them as well. Netzach can be overexpressive as well and, and therefore quite stubborn. 
the Netzach person expresses themselves and sometimes takes up too much space and can be quite an overwhelming presence. That's the, that would be the corruption of, of, of Netzach where you beat everybody. You, you're the winner. You have to be the winner. The Hod personality is quite opposite to that. And again, we're just speaking in extremes. Most people would not fall under any, either of these extremes, but we might find some of them familiar or a bit of this, a bit of that. A Hod personality, what are they like? So a disposition of a Hod person is they're the type of person who puts themselves aside always. They, they don't have to win. They don't have to be first. They're very happy to allow others to win. They, they don't have to assert themselves. They're not assertive at all. Netzach is assertive. Hod is unassertive, unassuming, humble, sometimes to the point of shyness. A, a shy personality would, would probably have a, a strong dose of hoid where they're happy to let others take the spotlight and they'll stand to the side happily. Not necessarily in a bad way, in a good way. That, that they're, they're happy to give the space to hold themselves aside to allow others to shine. And, and that can be a very positive thing as well. Not taking up the space that the Netzach person takes, the Hod person gives the space and, and allows others to shine. In relationships, that means they'll be quite agreeable. They, they don't need to control the conversation or make the decisions. They, they're, they're quite agreeable and allowing others to, to make the decision, a bit meek. But they'll also be very grateful. A hard person recognizes the contributions of others, allows others to give and recognizes what they, they've given. The Netzach person in the extreme is not so grateful because they've got to win. And if somebody else is dominating, they're not grateful for that. Even if that domination is helping you, they don't see it. They don't, the, the Netzach person to the extreme doesn't see the gift that they're receiving. They just see it as a competition. I want to give, not you. Whereas the Hod person, on the contrary, the Hod person puts themselves aside with that, that humility to allow the other to contribute and is grateful, recognizes, acknowledges that contribution, appreciates what is given for them. The word Hod in Hebrew comes from Hodah, which means to thank. Todah in Hebrew, thank you. It's, it's the same root. And so a Hod person shows true and deep appreciation. So the purpose of Hod is to hold yourself back. Again, even when you're not in the mood. Remember, Netzach and Hod are the attributes, the functional attributes, the functional emotions. They're about doing the right thing, even when you're not in the mood for it. Hod is not necessarily that you're in the mood of being humble. It's that you know it's the right thing, and so you, you're humble. You, you, you do it. You, you put yourself aside because that's the right thing. Whether you're in the mood or not is irrelevant. doesn't matter how you're feeling. A hod person just, in the, in, when, when they have a strong hod, they'll just naturally give the space to the other. Now, the corruption of hod is when you become a doormat. When that humility veers off from being allowing others to have space to letting people walk all over you. You become a nothing. Humility, in its truest sense, doesn't mean you're a nobody and a nothing. Humility doesn't mean that you think you have nothing to contribute, nothing to say, and that's why you let others speak because you've got nothing worth saying. No, that's not humility. That is a misdiagnosis of yourself because you do have something to say and that is important to say 
a humble person knows that they don't always have to control the situation. They don't always have to be talking. They can say their bit and allow somebody else to say their bit. And if somebody else wants to dominate, they're not going to fight it. That's a truly humble person. When you've, the, the corruption of that, when you've gone too far in your hood, is where you become a walkover, a doormat that like anyone can just do what they want and you don't speak up, that you don't allow your voice to be heard. That's, that's a corruption. That's a negative expression, a negative experience of hod. So as we go through these examples, you might start to identify with the netzach or the hod that are you more the domineering or more the, the shy? Do you, you assert yourself naturally or do you naturally hold back and let, let others take the center stage? And of course, hopefully you'll find a bit of both. Sometimes a bit of netzach. You might be a bit competitive in certain areas, but then also a bit of a hod that you, you can recognize other people's contributions and you can be, you can be gr grateful. Or you might find yourself really strong on one side and really weak on the other. And then you know what you need to work on. If, if you're not quite sure where you fit in, let's test your netzach or your hood. Let's, let's look at a couple of just scenarios. And again, as we've, as we've done in the past, the idea here is not to work out what the correct answer is or what I should be thinking, but just try and really capture what your impulsive reaction is. So try and be really calm and open and without any preconceived ideas or any attempt to impress anyone because no one hears your thoughts. We'll look at some scenarios and see what's your knee-jerk reaction to it. Try and capture it. Some, sometimes it might be a bit subtle. Let's see if you can capture it and it'll show you a little bit of where you fall in the Netzachod continuum. So here's a scenario. You get a call from a friend in need who requires financial assistance. And we're talking about someone you trust and it's a sincere request. You feel for them. You, you want to help. You want, you want to help this person. So you offer, okay, I'll make a bank transfer. But they say, no, I actually, I need cash. A transfer is not going to help. I, I need cash. We're not talking about somebody. They're not a con artist. They're someone you know very well and is very trustworthy. They just, right now, they need cash. That's what they need. Now, you don't have any cash. You just, you just don't have any. And so to give them cash, you'd have to go to the bank. The bank is not so nearby and it's raining heavily. So to go out, you have to go out in the rain and, and go out to the bank, which is not exactly what you're planning to do right now, but they need it. What's your reaction? Now, again, I'm not asking what should be your reaction. I'm just asking what, what is your natural reaction to this? Now, this is not a life-saving situation. The person is not on, on, on the verge of starvation. We're not talking about that. They need financial assistance. And you can help them. Do they need it right this second? Or could it wait till the weather's better or till you have a bit of cash to, to share with them? Maybe, probably. Should you help them? Yeah, you should. And you want to. You want to help them. But there's a little bit of friction just a little bit of friction. And that is, you've got to go to the bank in bad weather. So you may be a chesed type of person who wants to help everybody. You may be a gvura type of person who is a bit more strict in who you help and who you don't. In this case, wh whatever you were, you do want to help this person. A chesed person wants to help them because chesed people help everyone. A gavura person will, will judge a situation and say, yes, that is worthy of help. We've gone through that decision, the decision of whether I should or, not, or shouldn't help, we've gone through, and the answer is yes, 
I should help this person. But then some new information was introduced to the story. I was ready to help them right away. I'll pull out my phone and make a transfer. The, the amount of money they need, I, I, I can afford. I, I, I could help them out with that. But a little bit of friction was introduced when they said they need cash and I don't have cash. And I need to go to get cash. Now, it's not such a big deal to go out when it's raining, get a nice umbrella and, and go to the bank. It's not, it's, not, it's not the biggest deal in the world. It's not, it's not going to kill you, but it's, it's not convenient. It's, it's, not, it's not comfortable. What wasn't on your plans for today? Netzach will say that who cares that it's raining? I want to help this person. I've decided it's the right thing to help them. I'm going to go and help them. And a little bit of an obstacle to that just makes it even more important to just do it. Just get out there and do it. That, that's, that would, Netzach would say that 100%. Whereas weak Netzach would say, do I really have to go out in the rain now? Is it so urgent now? Can't it be done tomorrow? And would come up with reasons not to do it. Sometimes maybe valid reasons. I, I, like I'm happy to, to do a transfer right now. I'm, I'm too busy to, to, to go out and, and, and get cash. It might be valid. We're not saying you did the wrong thing. But Netzach would say, I committed to do it. I'm not, nothing to get in the way. In fact, Netzach would say, I was willing to do a mitzvah here. I was ready to help somebody. And now there's a little bit of inconvenience in the way. That just makes the mitzvah even better. Because now the mitzvah is not something that's comfortable and easy and convenient. It's something that I have to go out of my way for to overcome. It's an even better mitzvah. In fact, a, a Kabbalist would say that, why do you think it's raining now? Why do you think it started raining today? Because you have a mitzvah to do. You, you have a good deed to do. And to make that good deed even more powerful, there's a blockage in the way. On a deeper level, every time there's a good deed to do, there will be a blockage. Some resistance will come up because the way the world works is the powers of holiness are always opposed by powers of unholiness and darkness. Every good thing in the world has a negative wall around it that you have to break through. What's the proof that you're doing something good? There's resistance to it. There's something you have to overcome to make it happen. If, if, if it's really, really good, then it's probably going to be really, really hard. And the better the deed, the more resistance there's going to be. If something comes very, very easy, you have to suspect that maybe it's not so good. Because real goodness is going to have opposition to it. The powers of negativity that God created in the world are always going to try and block a good act. So the rain is no coincidence. The rain is happening specifically for me to have a little bit of a resistance, a blockage, something that I need to overcome, a bit of friction that I need to overcome to go out and do the right thing. That's a Netzach attitude. Netzach says, I'm going to take the opposition and that's going to make me stronger. And so when I agreed to do the good deed, it was because maybe I felt for my friend and there was no resistance because I can afford it. And it's easy to just do a quick transfer. So that was my original agreement to do this good deed. But now that feeling has gone because there's a bit of inconvenience now. I have to actually invest something in this. And that's of course I, you, you go and do it for sure. Whereas a little, little weakness in your netzach will say, ah, oh, it's too hard. Uh, I, can't, I can't be bothered. Too, too much resistance. Uh, to go out now, uh, another time. And again, that doesn't make you a rotten person. You wanted to help them. You had good intentions. 
and, and maybe you will help them. You'll, you'll help them tomorrow. And that might be fine. But, but you didn't overcome something. You didn't, you didn't break through something there. You're, you're keeping your, your goodness within a certain comfort zone. It's still good. But it's not breaking through something. It's not following through on the goodness that, that you wanted to do. You're letting, letting the friction get in the way. Okay, let's look at another example here. Rabbi? Yeah. Just wondering, under that circumstance, isn't that, isn't that having a balance between the two? Like, it's not, it's not life-changing to give the money today. So, if he needs cash to wait for tomorrow, isn't that balancing yourself out? Maybe. Maybe. It depends on the circumstance. You know, how bad is it for you to go out, out and do it? Um, what, what, what will you be missing out on? Was there something else? You had another, another obligation to somebody and you're going you're gonna to not do it now because you went out to the bank? That's true. Um, but here, I'm just saying, with, only with this information, the only resistance is it's raining and you have to schlep out to the bank. If that's it, so then that, that laziness is stopping you from doing good. And that's the opposite of Netzach. That, that's, that's a lack of Netzach. Let's look at the next, next example. There's a crisis at work and the entire business is at risk. You come up with a plan that can save the day. And you mention it to a coworker, this brilliant idea that you had. The coworker then goes to and tells the boss about this amazing idea, not mentioning that it's your idea. So the plan is, is a hit, it works, it's, it's accepted, it works, this, this is gonna save the day. And who's the hero? The coworker who shared the information, not you. You, you didn't get the credit for the idea that you came up with to save the day. What do you do? Again, what's, what's, your, what's your knee-jerk reaction here? All of us can agree that there's something a little unfair here. You came up with an idea. Somebody else presented the idea and, and got the credit without attributing it to you. It wasn't necessarily so nice of them to do that. Or, or so, so, so right of them to do that. But that's what happened. That's what they did. So where does that, where does that leave you? So some people, and again, we're not judging who's right and wrong here, but some people will have a righteous indignation. It was my idea. I came up with it. I happened to share it with somebody who then went and presented it as if it was their idea. Maybe they didn't say this is my idea, but they didn't say it in my name. They, they just said it. So whether they intended to or not, that's stealing my idea. And I got no credit for it. It's wrong. And I should stand up for my rights. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's fair enough. But there would be another response to this. And again, I'm talking about just the knee-jerk, impulsive response, big deal. The job was done. The plan was accepted. The business was saved. Everything's good. Whether I get credit or don't get credit, is, is that the be-all and end-all? Does that matter? As long, as long as the thing is done, isn't that what's more important? Do I, do I need to get the credit for it? Now, again, if... If this translates into money, you might feel differently. If, if that coworker gets a massive bonus for saving the business and you don't, well, that, that may translate into a sense of, hey, I, I'm, I've been robbed. Or it may, may not. But let's, say, let's, say, let's, not, let's not make this one about money. It's just about a feeling that I was recognized for what I did. Every person has every right to be recognized for the good that they did, to be appreciated. So we would not say that somebody who is upset about this is in the wrong. But somebody who's got a really strong hoid attitude, really, really strong sense of humility, would say, it's not about me. In fact, the idea in the first place 
came to me. It's not me. The, the, the true definition of humility is a sense that your gifts are gifts given to you. That what, what, you, what you came up with, your idea that you came up with was given to you from above, from a higher source. You were the conduit to say it, but nothing more than that. And so a deeply humble person doesn't need credit. He's not looking for credit. Now, that doesn't mean that you who know a humble person shouldn't give them credit. We're not saying that the coworker who took the idea should not have, cre have credited the idea to you. We're not, we're not talking about that for now. That, that was wrong what they did. And one should always credit somebody for, for something they've done and be appreciative to them. That, that's for sure. But we're talking about here, your reaction when it happens to you well, it depends how strong your hoed is. A deeply hoed person will honestly not be bothered. They're not looking for credit. They're looking for that the thing should get done. It's not, again, this level, the hoden and the netzach level is not about how I'm feeling. It's about getting it done. And so if it gets done, and somebody else gets the credit, as long as it gets done, it's not, it's not about me. That would, be, that would be a very admirable trait that somebody is truly and honestly has no problem that somebody else gets the credit for their idea because the result, the end result is the same, the business was saved. That's, that's, a, that's a very high level. And I don't know all of us can honestly say that we're there in that, in that circumstance, but maybe in less dramatic ones, are you okay with other people getting the credit? Maybe, maybe you participated, maybe you didn't. Do you, do you need to be recognized all the time? Or is it just about getting it, getting it done? That's, that's where Hoid is. We'll, we'll, in, in case those didn't uh, do it for you, you didn't find yourself in those, we're, we're going to go through a few tasks. And here, they're just very brief tasks. Imagine as we go through this, somebody is just asking you or telling you, this is what you need to do. How does this make you feel? And again, you've got you've to be very open with yourself in just hearing the task and sensing, does this give you an exhilarating feeling? Does it give you a dreading feeling? Is this something you'd jump on or something you'd run away from? Do you feel a connection to it or uh, you just want to avoid such a thing? So let's go through a couple of examples. Cold calling. Just calling up people you don't know and asking them something whether it be to raise money or to sell something, just cold calling people. So for some people, that sounds the most fun thing, get a list of names and numbers and call with a script and just try and sell them something. It's, it's, it's fun. It's a challenge. Like, you know, let's see how many we get. It, it's, it's, it sounds like something you'd, you'd love to do. For others, that is the last thing in the world. It's hard enough to call people I know, let alone call a complete stranger. To so just say hi, and that it would be the most freaky thing. It would surprise some people to know that picking up the phone and making a phone call for some people, even to someone they know, is a difficult experience. Whereas for others, to pick up the phone and call, what, what's the big deal? It depends, this one depends how much netzach you got. Netzach is you just, you just do it. Like, what, what's so bad? What, what's, what's the worst that could happen? Netzach is just, just making it happen. Just, just pick up and do it. Whereas somebody who doesn't have that netzach to, to just pull through, just pick up and call with a lack of netzach, it's a scary thing. 
I might be able to, in my mind, even say, yeah, I can do that. But when it comes to picking up the phone, I've got a whole bunch of phone calls I need to make. I know I'm going to call this person or that, call that person. But to actually do it, I can't, I can't just get around to do it. That's a lack of netzach. It's not, it's not following through on what you know you, you should do. So if cold calling, you have no issue with that, no problem with that, sounds great. That's a good netzach. If you're freaked out by cold calling, that's probably a weaker netzach, at least in that, in that example. Let's check another one out. Say thank you. <laughs> thank someone for what they've done for you. Again, we say thank you all the time. And, and here saying thank you doesn't just mean thank you. Actually thanking somebody, expressing your thanks to, to, to someone. Now, none of us don't say thank you. We, we were taught to say thank you. And hopefully we say the words thank you. But is actually thanking someone, expressing appreciation, specific appreciation for what somebody has done for you and, and recognizing that you are the recipient, they are the giver, and you appreciate and acknowledge what they've given to you. Is that something that comes naturally to you? Or is that something that is a bit of a struggle? Is it like, do you hesitate to thank? Because, well, they didn't really do it for me, did they? They, they did it for themselves. So I don't have to thank them. Or like, is it, is it, do they need to be thanked? I mean, won't saying thank you belittle what they did? Or you come up with reasons to not thank somebody Well, if you naturally acknowledge somebody else's contribution, that is a very healthy hod. The power of acknowledging the other person's contribution, of, of recognizing that they have done for you and allowing them that space. A hod person can thank in detail, specifically and sincerely. Whereas if it's hard for you to say thank you and mean it, that's a weak hod. You might have a lot of netzach. You like to be on, on the doing end, on the giving end, but to acknowledge somebody else's place and, and their contribution, maybe that needs to be worked on. Okay, another one. Make a five-year commitment. Can you sign, commit that for five years you're in? Whatever it's for, whether it's a, a phone contract or some business agreement, make a five-year commitment. Does that make you edgy? Five-year commitment, like I, I'm, I'm stuck in it for five years? I'd rather the flexibility month by month, you know, or five-year commitment. Okay, if it's if it's the, if it's good, I'm in. Like I'm ready to commit. I've I've read the the fine print, and yeah, I'm ready to commit. Uh, a netzach person can commit and stick to something, and and they're in it. A commitment means. I've done the due diligence. I've looked into it. I've made the decision. So the thinking and the feeling is over. Now I'm committing to just do. I've got to give this five years. I've got to stick to it for five years. Even if it's going to be difficult or even sometimes it's not going to work out exactly. And even my mind might change or my feelings might change. I'm committed to this to see it through and let the five years go, go through even if I'm not in the mood anymore. That's what commitment means. Netzach is that I'm, I'm committed and I'm sticking to it. Whereas if you don't have that, if you don't have that, that netzach, it terrifies you to be stuck in something because well, my, my mind might change. I might feel differently. Now, now it's good. Or what if it's not good in five minutes? And so without that netzach, five-year commitment would, would send shivers, like it, it make you feel edgy. I'm stuck in it, locked in. I'm going to lock in anything. 
which again, is, <laughs> sometimes you've got to be careful not to lock something in. But, but if you never lock anything in, everything has to be based on the whim and the fancy of what's going on right now. You need a bit of netzach. Let's try one more. Admit you made a mistake. Admit, go, go and say, you know what? I, I did make a mistake. I got it wrong. Take responsibility for the mistake that you made. Now, we, we, all, we all do that, of course. We all, we all admit we make mistakes. But some of us, even when we admit the mistake, there's a caveat there. There's a, always a but. Yeah, I made a mistake, but, but it wasn't my fault. Yeah, yeah, I did it wrong, but like they did it worse. There's, there's way worse than, than me. Or this, this, was, this was done incorrectly, but everyone always does it that way, so it's okay. That's not admitting a mistake. If, if, if there's a but, if there's a caveat, if there's something that, that always softens the mistake to shift it from you that you actually didn't do anything wrong, that's not actually making an admission. It's not accepting that you made a mistake. Whereas if you, if you can say wholeheartedly and honestly, I got it wrong, I made a mistake, I am not perfect, I, am, I don't get it right all the time. I take responsibility for it. It, it, was, it was my error. It was my misjudgment. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I actually made a mistake. It, it's very different to the but type of admission. And this is a, a, a hod attribute. Hod says, I know that I have not got it all. I'm not, I'm not complete. I am totally capable of getting it wrong. There are others that are better than me in this area and in many areas. I am not perfect and complete and I don't get it right all the time. I'm, I'm readily acknowledge that I make mistakes. Hod in Hebrew, hodah is being thankful. It also means admitting, admitting who you are and, and, and accepting your, your, that you make mistakes. And so if you have that healthy hod, that healthy humility, you can admit you make a mistake. Somebody who is arrogant, who is egotistical, they're so scared that if I admit a mistake, I'm actually nobody. I'm actually nothing. I, 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 my entire being is threatened by admitting a mistake. And so they have to always be right. Whereas somebody who's humble, humble means you have a very healthy sense of ego, not egotistical. You have what today is called self-esteem that you, you know your strengths, and you know your weaknesses. You know the gifts that you were given. You recognize the gifts that, we, that were given from above. You were also given certain imperfections. You were created imperfect by God. And you can be comfortable with that. Not that you're excusing your imperfections or blaming God for it, but you say, I'm, I'm not a perfect person and I will sometimes make not perfect choices. And I'm comfortable to admit that. And when I admit that, it means maybe you can help me. I, I've made a mistake and I do make mistakes. Maybe you or somebody else can help me. I need others to step in and to help. I, I can't do it all on my own. And, and that's okay. If that's very hard for you to admit, and of course we all know we're not perfect and we say, I'm not perfect, but no, you really aren't perfect and, and really accepting that accepting your mistake. If you can't do that, your hod is weak. If you can readily admit your mistakes and take responsibility for it and, and not blaming anyone else for that, that's hod. So hopefully you would recognize that some of these are easier for you than others. 
sometimes it's a bit subtle and hard to identify where is your weakness. But here's the exercise for the week. In your Netzach exercises, what do you know you should be doing, actually want to do it, but you aren't doing it. You're not following through on it. You're, You're not committed to doing it. Whether that be in the areas of morality, a mitzvah, good habits, stopping bad habits, things that in in your head you know you should be doing. You want to do it in your heart, but you're not actually doing it. Netzach is follow through, be committed to it. Even if you're not in the mood, you do it anyway. That's your Netzach exercise for the week. And then Hod exercise. Are you letting others shine and being grateful for what you receive? Are you able to recognize that others, that other people around you are contributing greatly to your, to your life? Are, are, you, are you giving them the space and the recognition that, that what they're doing is essential to your, to your existence? Are you expressing that, expressing that gratitude, recognizing it and expressing it? If not, Ratchet up the hood. Be a bit more humble. You cannot get it right all the time. You can't do everything. You can't control everything. And you can't be good at everything. So contribute your contribution and recognize others and thank them for it. Then you're strengthening your hood. Okay. So... We're going to have a look at some questions. Some have come on the chat. You're welcome to add um, to the chat any questions. And um, let me have a look. Okay. Okay, here's a scenario. You want to do goodness and you do acts of kindness to someone and truly try to be a good friend. As time goes on, the friend becomes manipulative. You deeply still want to help this person because you know deep down that they're a good person. But no matter how many times you try to tell them your feelings, they keep doing the same thing over and over. How do you stay strong and protect yourself when you aren't good at loving yourself enough? Okay, very, very important question here. So this relates a little bit to our chesed discussion where chesed is that desire to give and to share, and it is indiscriminate. Chesed does not determine who is deserving or who is not deserving. Chesed is just to give. And that is really beautiful, but there's a danger to it. And there's a price you pay for sharing with the wrong person and giving to the wrong person. It's... It's like, a, it's like an illicit relationship. You know, you, your love has to be directed and it can't be directed everywhere. You can't, you can't uh, give your love everywhere. If somebody is taking advantage of your kindness and becoming manipulative, they may be a good person deep down, but your kindness is not helping them. Your kindness is only encouraging the negative behavior. And so... If you truly care for that person, so then you will withhold kindness rather than give kindness that is then uh, abused or manipulated. And if if the same thing is happening over and over, so then it's just a very clear pattern. And so I think that there is an example of where you need to develop gvura. Gvura doesn't mean not loving the person. Gvura means if I really care for you, I'm not going to give you something that hurts you. And sometimes that means I need to cut off contact with you. My contact with you is not good for me and it's not good for you. It's hurting me and it's only encouraging your negative behavior. And in, in some circumstances, that means... I need to remove myself from from this situation. 
Okay, so here's another question. Um, there's a metaphor of the parent moving away as their baby learns to walk. And therefore, Hashem moves away to help us grow and reach our full potential. When the times are tough for many years and there isn't a break, how could someone like Rav Zusha truly believe that nothing bad has ever happened? Just like the baby needs a hug sometimes, how can we feel the hugs Hashem gives us when the suffering is very lengthy? How do we truly see that everything is the best for all of our souls? This is a very difficult and, and painful question that certainly some people, it seems, go through way more suffering than others. And how, how are we able to see that, that the love in that? So the, the reference there was to Rav Zusha, who was one of the great Hasidic masters who lived an extremely difficult life on a physical plane. He was very poor. He had um, a, a family and that uh, many of his children were not well. He, he, had, he had lived through real suffering. But when asked, he didn't recognize any suffering in his life. He, he saw it all as only his blessings. How, how did he see it that way? So, well, I think the first of all, the very fact that we're alive and experiencing something is an unbelievable gift. Even when that experience is difficult, but, but life itself is, is an incredible gift that we never asked for. It was given to us. And I think sometimes it's a matter of being able to, to transcend the immediate suffering and to look at a picture of the, the goodness that you can bring into the world, the, the joy that you could bring to others. It's, it's sometimes a matter of being able to transcend your situation and look at what you're contributing and bringing, bringing to the world. And here we do need feedback. We need people to tell us that we're impacting them positively, that, that, we're, that, that we're actually doing good. It's very hard when, when we're not told that. And, and so we can't control what people tell us. We can't ask people, please tell me. But we can do that for others. We can, we can show appreciation to others and, and by doing that, we're bringing an incredible light into the world. The, our lifetime in this world is relatively short. Even if you live 120 years in, in the space of infinity, 120 years is nothing. And so we live in this world, which is the world of difficulty, the world of challenge. But at the same time, we have an ashama, a soul that is living on a, on a higher plane and continues beyond this lifetime. And there'll come a time when all of the pain and suffering will be seen as momentary compared to the spiritual pleasure and goodness and light that we generated in the midst of that suffering. And the, the holiest angels in heaven are in awe of we human beings, especially those who go through painful times and a painful life, that in the midst of all that, you manage to do good. You manage to bring smiles to other people's faces, to, 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 do, to, to impact the world positively, to give whatever means were invested in us. Each one of us has such great powers some of our, our powers, you might have emotional wealth, material wealth. You might have wisdom. You might, you might have an, an amazing way with people that you can, you can lift them. Every one of us have so much invested in us. And when we utilize those powers to do something good and eternal, bigger than the, the physicality of this world, so then you're touching something that's, that's so much greater so much higher and it's still hard it's still it's still challenging and we still every day 
are hit with new challenges and some people more than others. But the more challenging a life, the more light there is in that soul. And when we can remember that, we can, we can get through anything. Okay. Thanks so much for joining. We're going to leave it there. And please, God, next week, we're going to conclude this series by wrapping up the seven emotions and figuring out how all seven keys are actually an intertwined map to explain your inner world. Please, God, that'll be next week. Thanks for joining and have a great night.